All righty, guys. Welcome to the Ogre and the Ass podcast. All right, today we have uh, Arthur uh, and we have Eric with us. Arthur, go ahead and introduce yourselves a little bit. Uh, so we kind of prepped this a little bit for you. In our last podcast, we talked that we're going to have a therapist on board with us and a little bit we're going to talk about. But go ahead and introduce yourself. How long have you lived here in Utah for? Uh, from Utah, we moved here from Los Angeles in 2003. Mm, Los Angeles. So what made you move here? Um, Los Angeles is expensive mm-hmm. and school's cheaper over here. So we decided to come out this way. But my family lived out here at the time. So they gave us like the offer. Hey, come live with us, go to school. And then you guys can have real jobs. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I like that. Wait, what school did you go to? Uh, which time? Oh, well. So my first school I did was massage school. And I did that, you did that? job for 14 years. And then oh. in the mix of all that, I went back to uh, the four-year college. I went to UU and yeah. um, majored in, um, what did I major in? It was psychology. It was a behavioral science with emphasis on psychology. And then graduate school after that for counseling. Awesome, dude. That's great. Yeah. Holy cow. And when, so when did you uh, start being a full-time therapist? Uh, I think it was right after, right after I graduated, it was like 2015 ish end of 14, beginning of 15. Oh, okay, cool. Yep. Well, just on behalf of us, like welcome to the swamp, man. We're more than, we're really happy to have you. We're excited for today. What we're going to be talking about. Uh, so today's whole episode is really going to be based on the mental health of children. And obviously, I've been working with you for a while. I see how well you work with the kids. Uh, so before we get into this too much, <clears throat> I kind of want to hear your uh, your backstory. So why, like, what brought you to start working with children? How did your uh, career lead this way? Well, that's, I mean, that could be a long story or, no, I, I went to school. The first thing I started going to school for was medical school. I was going that direction. And the closer and closer I got to the end of, like, all of the higher classes in biology, chemistry and stuff, I was like, I'm not feeling this. And then I, I shadowed a doctor and I was like, I don't really want to do that. And plus I'll be gone from my kids. It was kind of like a, a good time of their life for both of my kids. And I, I was like, I just don't see myself doing that. So I took my wife started college and I took one psychology class with her and we were both like really fascinated with that and how people think how they behave. And I was like, dude, this was cool. Let's, let's do another one. Let's do another one of these. And I started, so I switched to double majoring. Um, so then I, I, I just kind of looked at my GPAs. UVU has a way of like separating your majors. And I had two different ones on there and one was all right. And then the, the psychology side was like a 4.0. I was like, I should probably do that for a job. So, and I, then I really heavily focused on it and, yeah, just took off and went that direction. But when, when I was just kind of in between classes, like one of my specialties that I, it was like a self-made specialty, I guess you could say, I, I am a really good at nonverbal communication. And basically what that means is I'm good at reading you, like reading body language. Um, I got certified under Paul Ekman um, in micro expressions of the face. So little twitches of your face. If you ever saw that show, uh, Lie to Me, that oh, was yeah. based on that guy's work. So I kind of do that stuff. And you studied right under him? Yeah. Well, it's like a like an online training that you take from like he designed it and stuff like that. Oh, but wow. it's it's pretty intense, like what you see. Like 
you have to really practice watching people. And like in between classes, I would sit in like the chairs in the wall and just, you know, it's kind of creepy, but I <laughs> sit and watch people. But um, you learn a lot just by seeing, like, I can't hear what they're saying, but I watch like what they're doing and imagine what they would be saying or imagine, you know, gestures that their hands do or whatever. And it was really interesting. It was fascinating because I would, I would get better and better at, um, talking to people on top of that. So it was like, if someone was talking and then they shifted their, their weight away or however it was, it's like, Oh, something, something happened in the conversation. Um, because you know, everyone thinks about like, you know, I, I used to teach at UVU as well. And I would ask the, you know, the classroom, like, what's, what was your first language? Like, what was your guys' first language? English. English. So mine was actually sign language. Okay. It's actually wrong in both of you. It's body language. Because when you were growing up as a child, you, you had to, you couldn't speak at all. So, I mean, like, imagine teach a little kid that doesn't talk yet the word clap. Like you, you have to show oh, them yeah. and they're like, oh, and when they do it, you praise them and go, oh my goodness, that was so great. And then they're like, oh, wow, I'm going to do that again. You know, and they learn from seeing. They're just, if you watch a baby just absorbing everything around them, they're not making a lot of facial expressions yet and stuff. They're just watching everything. And it's pretty fascinating. But later down the road, um, I, I had worked at the prison. Um, not my first choice, but, <laughs> but you had to pay bills. <laughs> it was probably one of the most evil things that I could have done. Cause, um, it's not like working there as a prison guard or an officer as they would like to be called. Um, I was there as a therapist. So imagine I have these hardened criminals that do awful stuff and I get to hear about it and then help them with it. And if you imagine some of the awful things that they've done to people, like you kind of in your mind, you're like, I don't want to help this guy. Like, yeah, you kind of want to let him sit like, there and rot. Yeah. You, oh, you feel depressed. That's good. We'll see you later. <laughs> you know, like, but I didn't want to like <laughs> leave six feet of rope in a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I learned a ton, especially with body language. I've, I've rarely met someone who's better than me at reading people, but they're all at the prison. Like they are so good at really? reading you. Yeah. Cause that's all they have all day to do is watch people and they can watch mannerisms and gestures, their mood, their lunch, their pee break or whatever. They're watching everything you do all the time. And they're always looking you up and down when you're talking to them. They'll watch where your hands go and how you, you know, and you, they'll ask you a question to see if you change your posture on them or you turn away. And it's like, I'm noticing all of this as they're talking to someone, especially if we had like a new intern come in and work with us and I'm watching this guy talk to the, and the, and the interns like doing all this. I'm like, Oh, he's totally messing up. This guy's already owned you in the conversation. And it's kind of scary because some of them are, they're not chained up, you know, like yeah. I'm, I'm like this to them and they've killed people or something. And you're like, I got to watch my back. It's really stressful. So I guess that's probably the thing. It was, it was really stressful to see. And, and they master that tactic without ever having like some form, formal education. Yeah. Just, wow. Just, just they have nothing else to do and they don't. Else. Wow. It's bad. And it's, it's it, the reason it's stressful is because like for one, as a therapist, I'm like, oh, tell me how you feel. Right. Like all those questions you're not really supposed to ask. But I'm like, hey, so what's going on? Do you want to talk about something? 
And at the same time, I'm constantly watching for my own safety just in case they decide to snap on you. Because <laughs> the building I was in, it wasn't like I was working with death row inmates. Those guys, I, you don't want to talk to. There's no help in them. They're, they're pretty bad people. But the, the building I was in was the mental health building. So like one of the common questions that I would ask is like, you know, how's your day? How are you feeling? Are you taking your meds? Are you hearing voices? And I never thought I'd ask that on a regular basis. You know, it's like going to McDonald's and you order nuggets. You're like, what kind of sauce? Like that kind of a thing you ask at your job. And I was like, you're hearing voices. But most of the time they'd say yes. I was like, what? Like, it's just wow. insane. Like when I first started, I was like, what are they saying? You know, like I was just like soaking it in and like hearing these crazy things that they would say. And after a while, you heard the same stories. You just get like. You still hearing voices and they're like, yeah, anything different? No. Okay, cool. We'll see you later. And like, you just walk it off after that. But the reason I, I stopped there was so stressful, found a better place. And I started working with teenagers um, and it was an outpatient. We had the contracts for the drug court kids in uh, Utah County. And I would have these kids that basically they got busted using drugs somewhere in town. And then now they're court ordered to come see me for an evaluation and therapy. So I was like, okay. And the reason I said therapy is because they don't usually grab onto it because they're still going out in the world and using. Yeah. Um, we do, you know, urinalysis on them or UAs to see if they are using randomly. And it was, it was interesting because I'd sit there and listen to the story of these kids and I could, I could picture in my head a flashback of a prisoner saying the exact same story. And I'm like, what? You know, and it would blow me away. I'm like, hey, you know what you sound like right now? They're like what? I was like, this guy I knew at the prison had the same story as you. And he was like, oh, that's cool. And I'm like, no, like, did you hear <laughs> what I just said? He's yeah. in prison, dude. Like you're in the same lane to go into the same direction as this guy in prison. Like you need to change. And that was when it just hit me. Like you need to help these kids shift out of that because they're still young and impressionable. They don't really have this severe addiction yet. They think it's cool. It feels good or whatever their story is. And um, the behaviors come. And what I started to notice that every kid that was there for drugs, they wanted me to focus on drugs and I would notice like, what's the family like? What, you know, what other things are going on? What's your mood most of the time? And I, I started seeing there's an underlying issue. The drugs was a symptom. That wasn't the problem. Like, oh yeah, stop drugs, big deal. They, let's say they do. If I could, you know, wave a wand and be like, you're done. They would do something else because the problem still exists. Yeah. And that was the thing we could never really get to in that setting for me anyway. I couldn't really get down to something deep because by the time I got a kid to talk, there is almost time to go home and then they're like, whatever. I'm and gonna... they just go home and reuse and just be around that environment again. Yeah. And, and a lot of times it's the family. It's the family that, that causes um, a kid to misbehave, act out, whatever it is. And... And, you know, we all know that we were teenagers ourselves. It's like, oh, I, I don't want to listen to my parents. It's like you want to yeah. defy them. Like that's like a rite of passage of being a teenager. It's like I want to be defiant because it's cool. You know, yeah. and it's, even though when you really look at it, you know, like let's stay out late. Like now I'm <laughs> like, 
why? Why would we do that? Like, I like to sleep. What right. Are you talking about? <laughs> so, so yeah, I, and after I worked there, I, you know, I taught at the university and it, it was great. I love teaching at the university. It was so cool. It was probably one of my favorite jobs um, because I'm out there like giving back all this knowledge that I learned of like actual useful information. It wasn't me just, okay, chapter four, look at page. And I hated that teacher too. And I would take those classes and look on canvas. Here's like 19 assignments that you have to do. I would give him like one assignment and the rest was just stories. And that's, that's my thing that if you go look me up on rate, my professor, like everyone will say, like, it's about the stories. He had so many cool stories and, and it's the stories is what matters. That's what we learn from really. If you think about it, like you learn from a story because you can picture it in your mind. If I just tell you, here's this, here's that. And bam, you're done. But it's like, like if I taught you what schizophrenia was, you could see disorganized speech. You could see that they might be hallucinating in their eyes or that. But if I tell you a story about a guy and, and I could make you shake in your boots if you want, but it's like, some of the stories are just like, whoa, what? Or even when you see it in person, you're like, holy crap, that's what that's what that looks like. You just don't picture it when you're studying it. So I eventually ended up finding, you know, a treatment center that I now work at, we work at. And um, working with teenagers there is is very similar to how the setting is, like as far as like prison was, because they live there. Like I, the greatest thing about it is I never have a missing appointment. Like I, I would hate it. I'd be sitting there waiting for an appointment and then they didn't no show on me. And I'm like, crap, because you don't get paid if you don't have an appointment show up. So I was like, yeah. well, this sucks. You know, so I was like, all right, but they live there. It's like, where are they? Like, all right, I'm gonna go find them. And I just go grab them like, come on, let's go. And we just go talk. And it's great because I get to watch them in more than just my setting. It's not just the office setting. I can go outside. I can watch them in PE. I can watch them and who they're hanging out with at lunch. So I get to see them in that nonverbal communication stuff where they don't know I'm watching. I know it sounds creepy, but if you, you learn a lot <laughs> by watching people when they don't know you're it's watching. Okay. Yeah, them, it's your job. You're allowed right? to do that. Like, I'm not saying go out there and be a peeping Tom. All right. So <laughs> I'm saying watch watching people in, in different settings will give you a lot of information. You know, like they could say one thing to me and you but they will be very different in someone else's presence. You know, whether this cool guy that I look up to is there or there's a girl sitting over there nearby. They're not talking, but it's just like, you know how it is, right? Yeah. Like you see this at the gym, like guys all the time screaming and yelling when they lift weights just because there's a hot girl like 10 feet away. And it's like, God. <laughs> barbarian a, a mating call <laughs> yeah well it's funny you'll see you guys come in and they'll like they'll be fully dressed and like or like let's say like they have the sweater on right now so something a sweater is also called in the gym is a pump cover because you, you get pumped first and then you take it off because now your muscles look big and you're yeah. peacocking to everybody oh my goodness. so that's that's something that people really <clears throat> that really do do that like it's pretty sad they put their leg up and captain morgan everyone like, <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> well they girl. have booty shorts on those rugby shorts well something too that happens is like they'll just have a regular t-shirt on and all of a sudden you'll just see them start tucking it in you know they got a good lift and now they start tucking in the, the sleeves and i'm yeah. like man what are you doing <laughs> it's you know i'll tell you another funny story about nonverbal communication when i was just like watching people watching at school is cool but man I, I've been to a lot of gyms in different parts of the country, but here in Utah County, it is a whole other kind of like experience because 
20 something year olds are like looking for someone to marry and it's oh, yeah. so especially, especially interesting. Here. Yeah. Well, like dating here is like an Olympic sport. I'm so glad I didn't have That's to do it. That's a good way to look at it. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, I got to date you and then I got to date you. And it's like, all right, here we go. But I go to the gym and I would just sit on the bike and I'd just be watching everyone around. And it's so interesting. Like another really interesting thing to watch is couples that are new, not, not couples that have been dating a long time or married a long time. It's the ones that are like new ish or they're flirting. And the gym is totally like the guys doing like the, the same workout for 15 minutes. Cause he's waiting for that girl to turn around at the right time, but she's too busy bending over stretching. And it's like, okay, guys just go over and talk. Like, yeah. But it's fun to watch. And I know we might get a little bit of flack cause we are like, well, you know, we really are just doing our own thing. We go to the gym for us. Like, but I've seen plenty of like, plenty of times when someone is complete, completely peacocking for it. And I, I have stories on that I could go into where I've had to leave the gym because I couldn't stop laughing. Because yeah. it was like, it was an obvious attempt to get all the attention in the room. Yeah, it's fun. So rounding this back now to the children. <laughs> okay, so you've been at a treatment center now for how long? Uh, almost three years. Three years, okay. So tell us something that you've noticed like is there any common patterns in the children that you've been working with oh man that's it's hard to say because like first of all you got to look at where the kids are coming from it and that's a list of things right so where are they coming from who's paying for them to come um one of the big chunks of uh kids that we get are uh, adoption services from california so kids that are having trouble at home trouble in school trouble with drugs and California's adoption services is willing to pay for them to come get treatment over here, which it is kind of expensive. So um, you don't see like your average, you know, middle-class household saying, yeah, let's send our kid to treatment because they don't even make that, let alone afford to pay that and still live at home. Um, the other thing is, is obviously, wealthy people sending their kids over. Yeah. And that's something I've noticed that there's such a spectrum of like kids who just have nothing in their lives and it's the adoption systems paying for it. Or just kids who own, like they could buy me how much money they yeah. have. Like it has been insane. I think there's one kid who came through and obviously I won't say his name, but like his great, great grandpa or something owned like tons of the real estate, which is yeah. now Hollywood. Yep. And he was just like, oh, so, and he, he, one thing he mentioned that one reason he never had ambition in his life is because he knew the second he turned 18, he's like, I'm set. Yeah. And he openly said that. And he admitted that that was part of his problem. That he's like, I know I'm getting all this money when I turn 18. Like he knows he is set for life. There's nothing he could accomplish that could ever equivalent to what he's going to get when he, just by turning 18. Yeah. And there's no motivation to do something great with that either. <clears throat> like some people to start a business, to do what they want, that capital money in the beginning is what they need. And this kid's just gifted that. And there's several kids that like that are like that. And... They all come in with it like this persona of like, yo, I'm a bad, you know, I'm from the hood. And then I'll look up their address and be like, yeah, let's check out that mansion you live in in the hood. Like, you right. kidding me? Like, your living room's bigger than my entire house, but whatever. Um, yeah, so it's it's interesting to see those those different demographics like you're seeing, and um, um, they would. That what, what the other the other there's one other. Uh, type of kid that we get is a school district kid. So they're, they're not doing great in school and it's a California district usually too. And they, they will pay for their services to come over and, and uh, have treatment with us as well. So, I mean, those are the three 
So, you know, adoption services, school district and private pay are the, the main ways that people will come in. So, so the school district forks up the money too? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. I thought it was just the state. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's gotta be something intertwined with the state yeah. or whatever, you know, but it's, it's, it's anything to get the kid help is what they're looking at. And yeah. if it helps with their school, like it's school focused for those kids usually, but there's also, there's this underlying problem. Like you suck at school because you're too busy getting high all the time. It's like, it's not that you need help in school. It's that you need help in the thing that is stopping you from school, which is drugs are so cool. But why did they do drugs? Back it up one more step. And it's usually the family. And oh, that's, wow. that's the common thread that I've seen. Um, and sometimes when I'm working with the families that you, you get them talking about the kid, the kid, the kid, and this is what's wrong. And this is the patterns. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, what would you do? And I would hear what they would do. And I'm like, I'm collecting data the whole time that they're staying with us. And I'm going, okay, here's where the parent messed that up. And here's where they messed that up. And here's where they just, you said this wrong in that conversation. And I'm like, I see what's going on. So and, you and I slowly just figure out the puzzle and go, you're most of the problem or, or not, depending on what's going on. I know not every case is the same, but that's something I've noticed too, where, and I'm, I'm just going to focal and say it. Like, I feel like a vast majority of the time, it's just the parent's fault. Yeah. Like, and something we mentioned too, like, obviously we have kids who are going through the adoption systems and who knows what abuse they, they went through with that. There's so many horror stories that come right. out of that. But one thing too, is that with the people who are just wildly successive for some of the kids that we have, it's that their parents forgot to be parents while they're mm. being CEOs, right? Where they were chasing, you know, that money, and they'll just openly say, like, "Oh yeah, like I don't know how to raise my kid." Some yeah. of them don't know their kids. I feel like in some ways, when working at this facility, that you find that this is like their their parents' first opportunity to really get to know their child. Yeah, and what? Who knows how to raise a kid anyway? They don't pop out with a, man, a manual or anything. <laughs> like it's not easy. You just do what you were raised as thinking that that was the right way. And you try to like take the best of what your parents did and leave out the stuff that wasn't so cool. And you know, that, that may be the problem too. Cause like we also grew up in a generation, maybe I'm a little older than you guys, but just a in, a, bit. in a generation where, you know, like spankings were normal and, you mm -hmm. know, walk it off, rub some dirt in it kind of thing. And it's like, <laughs> we're the same age. You know? No, because we're not you the don't, same age, you don't, but we got the same whoopings. You can't do that with the kids nowadays because they're, they're soft and everything's all nerfed up in the world. And they're like, everyone gets a trophy. And it's like, what? Yeah. No, you got to learn how to lose. You got to know how to stand up to someone who's picking on you. You can't just eliminate bullying because it's in increments you know it's like it's it's gonna kind of be there where guys are giving crap to each other and they're like hey your mom or whatever and it's like it's not like hardcore bullying but it's like the beginnings of it but you got to know how to snap back and and stand up for yourself and and learn as a kid and that's you know some of the things that i i talk about with the kids is like you're giving your power away when you let it affect you and that's that's hugely what most of them do is they're they oh they made fun of me Ooh, and they want to they want to get sad which we do get sad inside because that hurt they said something and that hit the right spot and they dang it but that kid who's trying to get that reaction out of you they see it and go oh i know what button to push every single time i want this kid to go off and they'll do it just because they're bored and if you don't let them and you don't let them feel that you know, like I win, I, I made him cry again or whatever their goal is. And you just like, whatever, 
Because, I mean, we work with these kids before, right? Like, in, they talk crap to us. Oh, yeah. And oh, it's like, man. They're good yeah, at it, If too. you have a low yeah. self-esteem working at a treatment facility, it's not for you. <laughs> yeah. You, you, uh, <laughs> they will true. find your button. Like, oh, absolutely. I've, I've gotten mad twice. And I, I felt it coming. And I was like, ooh, I need to back up. Like, <laughs> Choke them out. How did I let that happen? <laughs> yeah, that's why you don't work with children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's... It, it's an interesting dynamic, but it, and it's not always the parents' fault. It's it's just that the parents didn't know what else to do. And and that's what I tell the kid. I was like, you know, when the kid's mad at their parent, like, why did you send me here? This place sucks. And I'm like, fool, for one, it sucks here because if we made it like a five diamond resort, you wouldn't want to go home. And you're not here to just enjoy it. You're here to learn. It's like boot camp. Like we're here to train you to go back home and do well. And at the end of the treatment, I focus on the parents and I'm like, all right, here's what you need to start focusing on. Here's what you need to say. Here's what you need to do. Have you ever done this? Or I'll even ask, I, it was recent. I asked these two parents, I said, let me ask you a question. How do you guys fight? Oh, wow. And when you get a couple, like if a couple says we don't fight, bullshit. They're lying like, to you. <laughs> then something's wrong. Either you guys don't see each other or, you're or cheating. what? Right? <laughs> you guys are cheating. That's how you're staying happy. <laughs> so it's like, how do you fight? And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, do you ever like fight? And then you're like, Hey kids go to your room. We're, we're going to be talking. And, and they were like, yeah, we don't, we don't let them watch us arguing and stuff. And I was like, that's where your mistake is. And they're like, well, how so? And I'm like, well, you didn't, you, yes, you don't want them to see you argue but they know you are, they can hear. They and, can, and they're not learning how to resolve it then. They're not seeing the resolve. And that's the biggest oh, wow. piece. If you don't show them how to make up and be happy again and hug again, they're missing out on a relationship building skill for the rest of their life. You're right. I never mm. thought of it that way. That, that, they are, that they are learning a, a reconciliation skill right there. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, Cause the, you see, you feel like the mature thing to do is be like, yeah, go to your room kids. Like we're going to talk this out, you know, put on boxing gloves. No, I'm just joking. But you know, like I never thought about that. Yeah. Oh, that's so, oh, okay. Cause if, if you imagine the kids that never, I've, I've met, I've met a kid that he said his parents never fight. And I'm like, whoa. And I asked the parents, that's, that was what cued me to ask those parents was like, do you guys fight? And they're like, of course. I'm like, okay, he's never seen you fight. So what's that about? And then, um, if, if he grows up and has like a, a girlfriend or something or a boyfriend, whatever, and the first sign of an argument, they think it's over. They're like, oh, well, this is it's over. There's this we're fighting. It's we're just done. It doesn't they don't know how to resolve it or or that the, the other person says we're done because you don't know how to resolve this. You just keep the fight going or you just pretend it goes away because that's yeah. what they saw was go to your room. It's like, oh, we're oh, fighting. So, I'll just go to my room and tomorrow we'll be good. And yeah, it's we like, wake up tomorrow and it never happened. There's no you, Wow. I'm not gonna lie, that makes me look back at my own childhood. Uh oh. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I know <laughs> we're about to have a moment. When I was five. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think that's actually a really inspired thing to say. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. And that like they the kids need to be able to see like your and it, I guess quote unquote failures, but to see how you overcome them. Because if it's always just like, no, you're only allowed to see mommy and daddy when we're being perfect, when we're happy, that's not realistic. And they don't learn those realistic skills to how to resolve an issue. Oh, I, I love that. Yeah. Well, and, and really, if you look at how life is with anyone, no matter what you do, you can't look at it as a failure because we we learn from our mistakes. Mistakes, not a failure. You're only a failure when you quit. Yeah. So keep moving yourself forward, you know, like 
you, you watch a baby learn how to walk. They start walking, they fall on their butt. Do they just go, that's it. I'm never going to walk. I'm just not that kid. No, they just keep trying until they do. And, and, and this is, you know, I do jujitsu. I've done this for 15 years and I teach people in jujitsu, like you either win or you learn, you don't ever lose. The one who's losing is at home on the couch. They're not, they're not here, but that goes for any field though. Like if you're, if you're in a situation and you make a mistake or you didn't quite get it. Well, great. That's good information for you to learn from and just make tweaks so that you do better the next time. And that's, that's how being successful is just keep moving forward. Yeah. Oh, wow. I love that. So I guess, Eric, do you have a question? No, I was going to say, so I guess for future you know, references, let's say, you know, there's a, a bunch of kids out there who are going to have their kid at the age of, let's say 19 or 20. What, what would be a, something that you would want to teach these newer parents so they can have the best out of their kids or get the best out of their kids. Yeah, like one piece of advice, like something yeah. solid. Yeah. Well, first of all, um, 19 or so having kids is like most of Utah County. Um, <laughs> I know that's rough. Sorry, but that's what I've seen. It's like, it is hurry what it up. Is. We got to right? 19. I'm, oh, my good years are passing me up. <laughs> And, and it's it's a cultural thing here. I think, you know, I didn't grow up with that where it was so many kids per family. Like it, the amount of kids in a family is insane to me. Um, I grew up in a town where it was like one, maybe two kids in the family, except for the LDS families. They had like seven or eight of them. Got like, a whole football wow, yeah. that's <laughs> You got your own soccer team. Yeah, you ever saw them with the uh, Mormon assault vehicles, like yeah. the big vans that they always carry? Yeah. Which yeah. is cool. Like, I think it's like a, a different kind of learning growing up with that many siblings. Like I had two sisters, but they were much older, like 13 and 15 years older. So I was basically an only child. But um, having kids like my, my advice would be get yourself straight first. Figure out what you want to do. Enjoy your spouse or partner or enjoy yourself before you even go to that and and figure out what you want. Because at the end of the day, you got to look at like, what is it that you want in life? Yeah. Instead of just what's close or what's easy or what's going to give you the most money. Because you can, you can have all of those things and start a family in a heartbeat. But if you're not happy doing what you're doing away from your family, you come back to your family not so happy also. And that's probably the biggest thing that you want to be able to pass on to your kids is do what you want to do. And show the world that you can be happy and impactful in your way. Yeah. Oh, wow. Hmm. That's deep. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Also, I do got one more question. Go ahead. And I've been thinking about this for years. I know you're going to say it. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. No, go ahead. No, go, go okay, ahead. I'm curious No, 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 no. no. Okay. Are you, you going to ask? Never mind. Never mind. Go ahead. Okay. I shouldn't interrupt you. <laughs> All right. So check this out. All right. So in the Polynesian culture, Hispanic <laughs> culture, and black culture, we beat our kids' asses, right? Okay. <laughs> so I don't see a lot of that in Mormon culture. So- do you think beating your kids' ass is a good thing or a bad thing? Honest answer. Go. So now we're going into spankings. Spankings. Yeah, sorry, spankings. I knew exactly that's where you're going. Okay, I just got to know. Yeah. I got my ass beat growing up. Spankings kind of leans into physical abuse, kind of. Mm. And um, in most cases, it does get to that point. Um, we, we have two big things in life that will make us um, do or stop doing things. It's either pain or pleasure. If it feels good enough, you keep doing it more. If it hurts enough, you'll stop and change. 
And the idea of spanking, which if you look at operant conditioning in psychology, that's your positive punishment category where you're adding something painful to make them decrease a behavior. So, you know, they did something wrong and you think that that's going to um, solve the problem. And in some very small, and this is my opinion, some small cases that might work. And most of the time, the kid is associating making a mistake with you don't love me. Hmm. Oh, wow. Is it really that deep? Yeah. Hmm. Well, it, they won't be able to articulate it that way, especially if they're younger. But it's it's like I can't ever make a mistake in front of you because you will punish me for it. And no one wants to be punished. Um, it's, it's, better off, it's better off if you were able to teach them something in that and give them you know, a different consequence if it was necessary for a punishment, if they did something wrong. Um, but it's, it's you know, like I said, you either win or you learn. And those are learning moments. It's not a losing moment. If you're spanking and you're causing harm to your kid, they look at it as I'm losing. I'm not good enough. And my parents don't love me. And they don't say it like that, but that's the inner feeling. That's the that inner feeling. That you're planting those yeah. seeds. At their core. Yep. And so do you think, mm -hmm. like, so do you believe that spanking then has those long-term effects that it creates anxiety or depression inside of children? Yes, it, it probably. It, or anger issues, yeah. like other things as well. I have my own thoughts on like anger and anxiety as well. Because like, at what point do you cause, um, like, where does it become like a diagnosis and stuff? Um, because when you're clinically trained, like, you know, what criteria to look at for that stuff and what's depression, um, versus just feeling kind of down. Um, and where's the line and everyone's different with that. But, um, you know, like if, if you add spanking to your regimen and trying to, you know, teach your kids and learn and stuff like that, there's resentment that builds resentment is, is, a uh, you know, behind anger. Anger comes from two different emotions, depending on what starts it. And it's either fear or hurt um, that, you know, that like, like the sadness is, is the other one. So fear and hurt and then sadness, like those are the two things that um, will spark fear, uh, fear into like anger because they're afraid to get spanked. So they get angry and tough and like dad goes, that's right. You know, you be tough. And it's like. Oh, and it builds up a toxic masculinity. Yeah. Right. Oh. And, and if mm. you're getting beat at home, wow. that kid's going to school and bullying the next kid. So he feels successful. And, and you believe that too, that it transpired. Oh, yeah. It goes further on. Man, wow. We see it at our job. You know, you put one yeah. kid in a, in a community where there are um, softer kids and yeah. they bully those kids. But then when you move that kid out and put him with the harder kids, that kid turns into the victim. And it's like, well, which one are you, dude? Like, you, are you the bully or the victim? Yeah. And, and which one do you hate more? And why don't you just stop both and just be a good kid and follow the rules? Like that's that's generally where I try to like push them down that lane. But it's hard to break that out of them because they were raised developmentally and, you know, with their family and something could trigger the kid like the dad raising his voice or. You know, the mom with the wooden spoon going to stir the spaghetti, but it's like, oh, no, there's the spoon. Yeah, no, know? wooden spoon. My <laughs> mama was a, was a villain with that. that hurt, <laughs> hurt the fingers. So I'm thankful. I only got the wooden spoon once in my life. My brother got it way more than I did. Probably my sister did, too. Yeah. But, yeah, I only got the wooden spoon once. But I got some spankings. Yeah. That's weird, though. Like, I'm thinking about it from my point of view because I grew up in the 90s, you know, and I got whooped a lot by, you know, 
grandparents, you know, and of course, you know, mom and dad. But I was a bad kid, though. It's not like I resented them. I was like, oh, I hate you guys, but I know I messed up. Right. So I think what you're saying earlier is it's very rare that it's okay to whoop them. I'm assuming it's okay to whoop them if you can explain to them why they messed up and if you tried every other option. I, I guess, yeah. What is that small percentage then that you talked about? And again, oh, this is just your opinion. The, yeah, I don't know what the percentage would be. I just, it just, when you talk to kids that were spanked or beaten or whatever it was because and and depending on the parent too right like if the parent's using alcohol or something like that it turns into a beating oh that's different yeah 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 i meant like straight up like a legitimate father and mother figure so there there isn't like a moment and this is just a scenario i kind of want to set up for you so let's say a kid messes up breaks something valuable of the father or mother's that he knew not to touch or she uh the father lets the anger pass because I've often often heard you should not if you're gonna spank your kid don't spank them in anger in that moment. Yeah. So like let's say they let thirty minutes pass and they come and like hey this is what happened you know you're gonna get a whooping for this but we need to talk about it like is there any healthy way to approach it or is it just any sort of way to that and it's just hurtful I guess or what I guess how would you explain that in your again in your opinion those moments of approaching it I I had a neighbor across the street that um, his parents actually got like this two inch thick belt and <laughs> and like but it was like you said it wasn't in the anger moment like it was like you're getting you're getting two spanks today and i was like what like that was weird like why announce it like if i was getting spanked it was like you just got it like it was your like your dad came what? up and just like, and you're like oh you right. there it is like what did i do and you immediately assess what you just did and try not to do that again and it was so weird like I was over at his house and she's like, all right, we'll go out back. And I could see like their curtain was like kind of see-through and I could see him out in the backyard, like drop his drawers and mom just whack. And I was like, that's so weird. Like she like planned it, set it up, like, all right, present the item and whack. And I'm like, (laughs) what is this? Present your ass. Yeah, like it was so weird, but you know, and then he falls down, cries. And then she's like, one more, get up. And I'm like, this is so strange to me. And it was like, I, I, I don't personally see that that's the way to do it. Like I, yeah. I've like kind of like, you know, slapped my kids on the butt, but not hard. And it definitely came from an anger like moment. And it it's, you know, it's not healthy. It, it doesn't teach them anything except for that. I can cause you pain. And have you ever had to go back and apologize to your kids? I didn't hit them hard. Okay. So it was just like, Hey, you know, it's like, if you were to reach and grab my drink and I smacked your hand, it wasn't yeah. like I would hit them oh, okay. like to where they were like, oh, oh my God, there's your handprint on my, you know, <laughs> that's like actually, yeah, no, no, I should like that way of doing it better. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's almost like the Caesar Malone thing that it does. Like, psh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. energies, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. a great maneuver on dogs. Great. My son's been watching that cause we have a dog and and I'll be talking uh, or he'll be talking and I'll, I don't know, I interrupt sometimes. And he, he's like talking and he starts talking. He goes, and he's like, and I'm like, what the heck? Like, but it worked. Like I, I shut up. I was like, okay, you go. No way. <laughs> Your kid's training you like a dog. Uh, he's smart. So it's good. Smart. Uh, he hears, well, he hears you talking. He knows what to do now. Yeah. <laughs> so Arthur, kind of taking it back now through your time of working with kids. I guess, and this is a very general question, but what are some of the most common mental illnesses that you'll run into with these, with kids nowadays? That's so loaded. Um, I know it's hard, but I'm, I'm, I'm asking you this for a reason. So in general, in, in the field, you're going to hear 
depression, anxiety, kind of like how you just threw yeah, it out those there. were my first two. Here's what I have learned as well that okay. insurances that pay for therapy need to have certain diagnoses on the top line as one of the diagnoses before they will pay for services. I can't remember. I remember I was an intern. I diagnosed um, this person and I was like, wow, this is dead on like to the T this one. I was like so proud to show my supervisor and my supervisor's like, are you sure there's not any depression or anxiety in there? And I was like, and I thought he saw something that I missed it. So I was like, Oh, I get to learn something here. I was like, uh, no though. I really think this is dead on. And he's like, okay, I'm gonna be real. Insurance isn't going to pay for their treatment. So, Oh, are you serious? They, they won't. I mean, if you diagnose that, this is the last time you see them. And I was like, what? So it's almost like if you want to work and get paid, like you misdiagnose them with a mild depression or anxiety so that you can treat the second thing on the list, which is what you really think is wrong That's with them. So wow. Now I didn't do that, but I bet you there's people that have. But but it also seems too that like in your case, that wouldn't have necessarily been the wrong thing to do. If you wanted to keep the kid to help him, right. you, you had to give it to him. It like is you, kind you would have of, needed to give him the diagnosis. It's kind of doing the right thing, but not at the same time. Because you're just. So it's like a noble lie. Kind of. Yeah, right. I get it. Because if you really want to deal with the issue, you got to lie and say, well, he's actually got this. But really, it's this other root thing. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I didn't do wow. it because I never want someone to come back and check and be like. Yeah, oh, and get like, caught up. I didn't want to get in trouble for anything. Like I stay pretty. I was at the prison. I don't ever want to go there. So <laughs> I'm going to tell the truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's crazy to me. So insurances will just cover stuff for like major anxiety or chronic anxiety and depression. There's cer there's certain ones, and then every insurance company is probably different. So I don't know what's what. But you know, my supervisor is very experienced, so he he knew like the thing that I put there. And again, I don't remember what I I had diagnosed, but it was a one of those not so common ones. And he was like, yeah, they won't pay for that. Wow. So it's like, crap. Well, all right. Well, good knowing you. See you later. <laughs> good luck with that mental problem. But that, that's how it goes. That's crazy to me. Until it gets worse or something else shows up. Well, and I feel like until there's a major incident now. Well, if that's an incident kind of diagnosis, it could be that um, if you are struggling with something mentally, over time, you could have depression because you're sick of this other thing and you're just down on yourself. So like depression could show up organically. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, but what you're supposed to do is wait till that happens and then you can do it and then the insurance will pay for it. And yeah, it's there's some weird stuff. Insurances will tell me like, OK, what's the diagnosis? You, you give them the diagnosis and they're like, all right, we'll give you six sessions on that. And I'm like six, like that's hardly scratching the surface. Like I'm getting to know them on the first two. Yeah. And, and you want me to do the rest? Like, what do you think? I have a magic wand, but yeah, it's, and that's why I like the treatment center better is because I can talk to them more often in different settings that you get more work done. And I have more people around too. Like I could utilize a staff member or a teacher or another therapist that they're running that group. And it's like, I've got a whole team of people helping this kid. It's not just me with a client. And then when they leave, they're out in the world with people who are probably causing some of the toxicity in their life or the pain that they're going through. So, but. So a question I have for you, what do you do with parents who don't want to change? Um, cause you, cause I know like when their kids show up and I know you've had instances, we've talked about it where you had a kid, you know, obviously who was, who was very open about his sexuality and his dad's like, 
fix them. Yeah. Like make them not oh, that I've way. I've got a couple of stories hmm. on that. Got I had, away. I had, okay, this is a quick story. I had two parents and a kid that was like six years old show up in the outpatient and we sit down and I'm like, all right guys, what's going on? Like, how can I help? And they were like, fix them. They literally said that. <laughs> they and did I was just like, point, like, fix them. I couldn't believe it. I was like, hey buddy, like go over there out there in the lobby and there's a coloring book. I want you to color me your best picture. And then I shut the door and I like was like, guys, first of all, if you want me to do any good here, you need to change your language. You cannot talk. Fix him. Like as if he's broken. What's well, like you it, it raised dehumanized him. him. Well, yeah, but like you raised this. This is your fault. It's six. He didn't develop some psychopath behavior. You raised this into him. Wow. What are you doing? They never came back, obviously. No, yeah, because well, you told them the truth. Yeah. And that's what happens when you tell people the truth. They're like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just go offer someone a bigger paycheck to shut up and do what we say. Right. Yeah. It can't be me. I can't be Because let's, let's say I did fix him. Like, that's it's such a common thing to say in the field, too. Like, oh, I cured him. But if I did fix him and put him back at home, they're going to ruin him again because they didn't change. Wow. Because, like... Like yeah. if you look at the family system as like a spider web, right? And you say that that kid's the one that is needing help. That's usually the scapegoat of the whole family. The rest of them are doing their own role. And if I move the kid, imagine that spider web. The spider web's gonna change and morph with how I move the kid, which changes your role and your role and your role. And it's it I've I've essentially ruined the whole rest of the family because I changed one person. And that's why if the family's the problem, you have to change it as a family system. And that's where you go into like marriage and family therapists. They're very system focused. And But when you recognize that, you, you have to jump on it and say, hey, like you can't be as rough as I did to that, you know, that family that one time. But, you know, I'll mention it to families like, hey, did you ever think that maybe how you did things as a kid is starting to show up here? And that's why you're so angry. And I start to give them that that fuel to give themselves like hey maybe maybe i did do this and i've had them flat out admit like yeah i probably messed him up and i'm like oh great the cool thing is, is we can fix it because you admitted it you're being 100 percent responsible perfect be yourself show them the way and love them to success you're not going to get any anything else and what would, what would you say to people who are like, oh, he's on that flower stuff. Like there he is like, oh, love your kid to this and that. Like, but it's a real thing though. Yeah. And like, I, I studied a little bit in positive psychology and I mean, go back again, go back to psychology 101, operant conditioning and positive reinforcement. Like that is the best way to change behavior is by giving them rewards for stuff that they do to increase that behavior. And if it feels good and the feel good just depends, it's like, is candy what makes you feel good? Like, I'll give you more candy if you do more homework. And they're like, hell yeah, I'm going to do more homework. Or is it money or whatever, whatever their thing is. Unfortunately, the bad behaviors is drugs is the thing that rewards them. So yeah. they keep doing that. Um, so so in that moment then, when you find like, again, let's go back to that scenario. Kid broke something of yours that he knew not to touch. Like you're in that moment. What do you do? Because is there a form? Because you can't give them like, hey, man, it's okay. It'll be better. Here's some candy for it. Like You're not going to positively, positively yeah. reinforce that. What do you do in those moments? Well, you, you kind of learn that, you know, when, when you talk to them and get to their level and say, hey, did you realize what you just did? Did you realize that this is something that's valuable and it costs money? 
right? Like for us to have here, depending on what it is, like I broke a window when I was a kid and it's like, that keeps the cold out in the winter. And I'm like, oh, like that makes sense. And it's like, now it costs money to replace it. And you know, my, my punishment at that time, instead of spankings was, cause my dad didn't watch it happen, but he came home and was like, what the hell? And I'm like, yeah, my bad, soccer is cool. And um, you know, he was like, well, all right, well, you're gonna do yard work to pay it off. So I would, you know, haul in split wood or whatever for the winter. And, and but you sit, sit the kid down and you kind of like, you educate them. Like you educate them on what, what just happened, what they did and do they understand it's wrong? Now, depending on their age is gonna vastly change, you know, from, you know, three years old all the way up to 10, you know, you're gonna see a huge difference of how they respond. And um, you just you just explain it, you just educate them and say, hey, like, do you understand that this was not good? And this this is not how we want to behave to break our stuff. Our stuff is very valuable. Like imagine, and you take one of their items, imagine I broke this toy. And they'd be like, oh no, you know, and they're like, well, yeah, but that's kind of how it feels when you break something in the house. It's like, I paid for that. And I'm like, oh no, you broke it. So how do we fix this? And that's another part of the language that parents need to learn is we, not how do you fix this? Or I do this for you, you listen, like the you and me and all that stuff that they do. It's, it's we, we're on the same team. Yeah. If you are building a relationship with someone, it's win-win or lose-lose. You don't ever have, and it goes back to like the parents arguing. I, I ask families or whatever, I even ask newlyweds that are, you know, like, oh, so how do you fight? And they're like, oh, well, I usually win. I'm like, oh yeah, I usually win. And I let them dig that hole for a minute. And I'm like, you do realize that you're losing, right? Because at some point in the relationship, if I'm winning, you're losing and we're on the same team. Now, if you're losing, we're both losing. So you have to think that Beautiful. mentality. That, you should always, put that on a coffee mug. <laughs> it's always about win-win. Put that on a coffee mug for us. Wear that on a t-shirt. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So you got to look at this like we're all a team here. Because I think that's so common. I think in all, even as a staff, like we'll see staff members do that. Yeah. Like, so what are you going to do? Like we're isolating them, making them feel alone. But we got to start using that language of what are we going to do? Well, and, and let's step it up another notch. Let's look at how your body language is in that moment. Like I said, come down to their level. Don't talk down to them. Like you want to come down like, hey, bud, like you get down to their level. Um, and not only that, I would never talk to a kid this way. I would talk to a kid this way. Like, hey, what are we going to do? We're both facing the same direction, meaning we're on the same side. Well, and this is also so like, as you know, because I have you uh, help me with this, but at the boarding school we work at, like I help with the like on hands portion that when a kid is just like they're self harming and they're doing something, I have to help them out. Mm -hmm. uh, but one thing too, is that it comes down to like, what do we do to deescalate someone? Obviously it doesn't just mean like, uh, <clears throat> like if someone's gone like too high up or like, in an aggressive way, it could just also be they're They're feeling anxious. When we have kids who feel anxious, they want to self harm. They want to run. They want to do stupid stuff. Yeah. And the idea is like, how do we bring this down together? And we, I teach that, which is mirroring and matching that you gotta be doing what they're doing. Now, it's not like mimicking every way that every time you do something, I'm gonna follow you and move yeah, the same copycat. way. Yeah, copycat. Yeah, we're not doing that. But essentially, like you said, like we're facing the same way. Yeah. We're gonna be eye level. And then we're gonna start using like, so what do we do from here? Yeah, there's a lot There's a lot of nonverbals in that too. Like it's not just your body language. It's not just your mirroring. It's like your voice tone. You match their voice tone. Or or if they're escalated high and you talk low, you're bringing them down to you. You, you, you have, you're, you're having them mirror you essentially. Like, how can I help? Help me help you. 
right? Yeah. Because we are going to get through this, right? Like the we is where they feel like, okay, you're on my side. And that's subconscious stuff. They don't really, they don't normally, especially under a high stress situation, they don't pay attention to those details consciously. They're going to, they're going to start hearing like, okay, you just said we like, oh, I know you got my back. You're cool. And, and then they'll calm down. And then after that, you can get them to talk a little more and have more to say. So it's, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's practice and everyone's different. So not everything works on every kid. Like I've had some, some real money tricks up my sleeve and I can be a ninja with my mind about it. And then it doesn't work on a kid. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, yeah. all right, we gotta, we gotta just back up go back shift and go board. back in. And like, here we go. Like you can't get mad at it. It's just like, you're yeah. just different. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think that's so amazing though. Like how you have well, one, you have these different tactics, but at the end, at the end of it, like it's a, we thing, this yeah. is a team effort. Um, I think there's such a big disconnect, especially not just at treatment centers, but I think people will have that with their kids and they'll try to say like, oh, I remember when I was a kid and that is in its own form. It feels like a disconnect because you're like, oh, so you kind of remember what it's like, but you don't know you're not me. Because I think how often do we run into this? Like, yo, you don't know what this feels like or right. we I hear it all the time. Well, that's cheating when you say that I feel statements too. when you want to win an argument or whatever, or kids will use that against us. Like, I feel like this. And you go, no, you don't. And like, you can't tell me how to feel. And they're hundred percent right. You can't tell them how to feel. Yeah. Um, so, so they, they can feel their feelings and that's okay. But now what, what do we do? And you, you go into the feelings with them and like, let's tell me more about the feelings. And when they say like, you don't know how I feel, you're like, I, you're right. I don't know. Help me understand. And now they're bringing you on their journey with them. Like, well, here's this and here's that. And this sucks. If they're being real combative, I, I can tell you a story. I had a girl that was coming in. Um, she was, you could tell something else was big underneath. There was some trauma there. Something happened and she wouldn't tell me. And she, she went into, you know, well, you wouldn't understand. And I'm like, I totally can understand and I know how you feel. And I messed up by saying, I know how you feel. And then she blew up at me. Like, even if it was true, right? I mean, yeah, even if it was true. And I, and I recognized when she blew up, I was like, Oh crap. That was what they taught us in school. Don't say that ever. You know? And it was like, yeah, you're okay. You're right. I don't know how you feel. And what she had, she, she said, you don't know how I feel. Have you ever been raped? And I was like, okay there it is and i was like all right no i haven't but even if i did would it be the same and she was like no oh wow and i was like so help me understand you it doesn't matter what i went through help me understand you i'm on your side let's go through this together tell me your story and then i sit there quiet she told me the whole thing wow one good save on that holy crap yeah i almost <laughs> blew it it was bad <laughs> Yeah, I would not have thought of that. I probably would have puckered up just like you did. Like, oh. <laughs> well, same time next week. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's another thing. I guess the prison taught me is don't react out here. Like I, I would react inside. Like I had a guy ask me a question that scared the crap out of me. Inside, I was going, holy crap. But on the outside, I was like, <laughs> Playing it cool. just trying to be cool keep the poker face because man if they see that they got to you they own you and it's bad but same same kind of thing is like when someone tells me something very traumatic they're almost waiting for this big reaction out of me like the gasp effect. and i'm yeah. like like oh yeah i've been raped and i go okay and they're like 
they're like waiting for this. Oh my God, are you okay? You know, like, why would I do that? Like, you're, you're telling me the story. Let's, let's just talk about it. Like whatever you want to tell me. And then they kind of go, Oh, well, maybe I should tell him more. Cause he's not, he's not reacting. It's not getting that yeah, shock factor. It's not happening. And then they tell me more and more and more. And by then I have the whole story. I'm like, wow, I can't imagine what you've been through. I can't imagine how that feels. Right. Those yeah. are the words you're supposed to say, <laughs> but you can't say, Oh, I know how you feel. <laughs> Don't, <laughs> totally ever get Don't ever totally say that. Don't totally get no. <laughs> Every bit speaking to the choir. Right no. Um, Wow. No, I think one, like kind of being able to take away from that too, but also put it into that. Like, even if we did go through, like if we had a, a similar experience, it's not the same one still. Right. And still being able to like find a way to relate to that mm -hmm. and that understanding, like, I'm just trying to get down to your level. <clears throat> so um, if you had a big piece of advice, so we always talked about like you, you already gave the piece of advice for the parents, mm -hmm. for kids who are listening to this. What is a piece of advice you have for them? Listen to your parents. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard to say there too, right? I know that's like, again a loaded question. You've got you've got at least three people in the mix, and to give advice to any one of them is it's, there's a dynamic there, and there's different personalities, different genders, different belief systems, different upbringings. Like there's so many variables that come into it. But when when you're talking to kids, um, some it, it depends on their situation. Like I I always customize. I've done so many things in my life, different jobs and different background stuff. Like I have experiences that you guys would be like, oh, wow, I didn't know that about you. And I can relate to just about anyone when I talk to them. So when I get a kid that's doing this, like I probably have a friend that did the same thing in high school. And I'm like, yeah, I know exactly like what that story is going to look like down the line. And then I have my prison stories on top of that. And I'm like, hey. Let me tell you a story about this guy in prison. I tell him the story. They're like, oh, dude, that's messed up. And I go, you know what's really messed up? He started out just like you. And oh, like, wow. What? And it's like, yeah, maybe you should change. And it's not like I'm saying don't be cool. I'm saying you're on a path that's not good. Follow the rules because trust me, I worked at the prison and I didn't like it. Yeah. I was there just doing my time just like they were. The only difference is I got to go home after. I don't even call my wife and joke around with her like, hey, she's like, what are you doing? I was like, just got out of prison. You know, like <laughs> and it was true. Like there was one time there was like in my building, they were like, oh, we're on lockdown. I was like, what does that mean? They're like, I, I guess in another building across the way, a couple of gangs got into a fight. Some guy got his face opened up and it was just like a really bad riot happened. I'm like, so why are we locked down? Cause that it's nowhere near us and there's fences in between. And they're like, whenever there's a riot, they lock the entire prison down. And I was oh, like, wow. What? Like, I can't go home. It was like five o'clock. And they're like, Nope. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, so now you're a prisoner. In I was the prison. like, so yeah. Uh, do I have a bed or what? Like <laughs> I'm not doing this. Chow. So I, I kept pushing like, guys, I gotta go. Like I had such a busy schedule outside of that, you know, job. So I was like, I gotta get out of here. And then, someone the lieutenant or something called the the guys that drive the trucks around he came over and manually opened the gate which they weren't supposed to but it was just like it's not like i'm clearly not one of the prisoners like you know who i am so i'm like <laughs> let me yeah. go home but and i got out of there 6 30 it was like i was there for an hour and a half waiting just waiting, on lockdown waiting. yeah it was awful but wow but yeah so answer your question when you tell a kid like dude follow the rules not only that 
follow the rules and go after, find a dream, do what you want. Like that's the most important thing as you are growing up in life is like, find out what you want. Because like I said, I've done a lot of jobs and I know what I don't want. And it's like, well, what do you want? And that's what everyone needs to find. If you don't find that you're stuck in a, I just settled job. You're stuck in a just for now job. It's a, I just settled lifestyle, not just a job. It's right. an, I just settled lifestyle. Right. And it, and it may be personality too. Like maybe it's a fun job and it pays crap, you know? Yeah. And that, that makes your home life suck. And maybe you won't have a family or maybe your family is struggling and stuff like that. So it's like really find out what you want. And when you do that, when you tap into who you actually are, your authentic self, you will thrive. You'll be a bright, shining light to people everywhere you go. And it will help everyone around you. And, you know, not to give you too much more, but I did this like personal development training as well. That's similar to what I'm describing is that, you know, we, we develop these different ways of being in life and thinking that this is going to keep me protected. This is going to keep me safe. Cause I, like I said, I grew up getting bullied and, you know, one of the things that I, I use to fight against that, like, we'll, let's call it a wall that I have up that stops me from feeling like the scared victim is I, I did 15 years of jujitsu. So jujitsu is my wall. Now I wear shirts that say jujitsu on it and stuff. And and you're sending a message. I'm telling people back the F up because I can kick your ass. But that also tells the bullies to get away from me. It's not really doing that. It's just like a subconscious thing that we did. You know, the other thing that I, I grew up with was I felt that I wasn't good enough or smart enough. So what did I do? I went to a bunch of school and got a bunch of degrees and now I'm smart enough and you can't tell me I'm stupid now. So it was another wall that kept people away. And really all I wanted was to hang out with people and, and enjoy friends and stuff like that. But I pushed everyone away. But it wasn't until I broke through that mentality and became who I really am, you know, and, and who I really am is different. Like you even saw it. You knew yeah. me before I went to that training and you saw me after and it's like, I asked him, like, what do you know that's different? Like, what do you see is different in me? He's like, well, you smile more. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of true. Because I, I came with this hard, you know, tough love and I'm a badass and I would try to straighten the kids out. And it's like, that doesn't, that's the punishment. That's the spankings. That's just doing it verbally now instead of doing, you know, showing them love and showing them how to act. Because that's what we, that's the best way to teach your kid is by modeling the behavior. I, uh, I tried to teach my younger kid, I think it was like three or four, maybe four. Um, and I said, you know, hey, you have to be a gentleman for, for ladies and open the door for them and stuff like that. And he's like, why? He's, I was like, well, let's, let's take mom. Mom's our, she's our girl. Like she's the one girl in our house and she is the most important one as far as girls go in our house. We have to take care of her. Not that she can't take care of herself, but it's that we are being gentlemen and we're we're going to open the door for her to show I care for you. And he goes, okay. And I thought, cool. I got a good lesson in high fives, parenting all around. <laughs> right, all done. Wrap it up. So I'm like, all right, let's go to the store. And uh, I noticed he just darts out the door and I'm like, what just happened? I just told you. Son of a gun, you better so I was like, <laughs> I go, I go to my car and they're all waiting for me to hit the unlock button. And I, and they're like, Hey, and I'm like, hang on. And I, I, I click it and I open the door for my wife and let her get in and I shut the door and they're watching me like, okay, we get to wherever we're going and I put it in park and my little one goes, mom, wait. 
stop, don't move. And he jumps out of the car, runs around the car and opens her door. Oh, wow. So it wasn't me telling him, it was me showing him. So if you really want to show your kids how to be in life, how to be a good person, you have to model that. You be the source. If you're not, you're not, you're showing them, you're showing them something, you know? Yeah. So it's like, what do you, what do you want them to be? Because what you're being in yourself, they're going to see that. Because like I said, as they are growing up, when they don't even know language, they're absorbing everything by watching you. And be careful what you say around your kids because they're listening. You know, I had my kid lost in a video game, watching a TV show at the same time. And then he'll comment in our conversation. And I'm like, he's listening? Like, how is he doing three things at once? It's crazy. But they're listening. They know how. So huge stuff. But yeah, that, that, that training that you, you go through, it's, it's a emotional intelligence. Like you hear about IQ, your IQ is like usually set for life. Like you're not going to really get any smarter. Um, your IQ is your intelligence capability basically, but your emotional intelligence this is studied through Harvard even said that your emotional intelligence can go and just shoot through the roof because you're able to learn. You're able to open up. You're able to be who you're actually meant to be. And that's, that's really all it's about. It's cool. Yeah. And you know, if I'm, as we're kind of wrapping this up now, something I, I really took away that I loved and kind of, I'm going to put it into my own words, but um, I think nowadays something we're struggling with is definitely connection, how we treat one another. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I speaking as a guy, I'm going to say, it, I think the way of how we treat women now is definitely, it's on its way out the door. It's not what it used to be. And I think for, you know, people always say, you know, you got to teach your sons, you know, instead of trying to protect women, teach your sons better. Mm -hmm. And I think the best way to teach your sons is to love your wife and how you treat her, how you act with her is how they are going to act later on. You know, in my life, I didn't grow up with a perfect household. I grew up in a broken home. And so I think I got some idiosyncrasies from that. But then I also got to watch my grandpa and my grandma Mm -hmm. and uh, see other wonderful marriages around me. And I know there was things from that I did take also. And now thinking back, like now I definitely want to uh, I set that own standard in my house one day. Like just kind of thinking that like I didn't realize that because I guess I don't have kids. And I've noticed, too, like how as just human beings, we pick up on each other's idiosyncrasies. We pick up on each other's uh, behaviors and not realizing that, you know, when you have kids, they are going to pick up what you do. And when you think they're if something I've learned about working with kids, when you think they're not watching, that's probably when they're watching the hardest. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're gonna figure something out and they're gonna watch what you do and they will use it against you and, and you go hey don't do this and I'm like well do you remember on such and such day you did this and I'm like oh no like yeah you're right they got me yeah i was like you're right or even when they're still learning to talk and they cuss and you're like oh shit I'm, i mean <laughs> oh, damn it ah, no <laughs> <laughs> yeah they'll, they'll copy it they'll say it the same way then you know which parent cussed around yep. the kid because they said it like that parent and you're like "Ooh, that was you that time that wasn't me yeah i don't say that word <laughs> well man it's well. true yeah I, but here's the thing i want to i want to kind of bounce off of what you said like yes the the treating women thing has changed but i think our culture and society has drastically changed as well because you're you're running into like chivalry's dying is kind of what you're saying but it's also like the equality stuff is coming up a lot. Like um, feminism has, has been growing and, you know, people that identify a different gender or a different whatever, you know, and it's like, there's these different variables that are being introduced that are so foreign 
from what we were raised in because that wasn't a thing back then. I mean, it probably was, but we yeah. didn't see it. Yeah. And we don't see it like we do as much as social media and TV and all this stuff. You know, it's like, you know, having to explain to my son, you know, when Caitlyn Jenner became, it was like, uh, like they're like, why are they making such a big deal out of Caitlyn Jenner? And I'm like, uh, well, let me explain, you know, and I had to like go through like the anatomy and like, and then here's how we feel like it, for instance, if you have a favorite color and, and you're supposed to have this favorite color and they're like, well, why? And I'm like, well, it's just how you were born, right? Like how you were born is this is your favorite color. But if I told you that you should have this instead, you're not really, you could try to like that other color, but you're really going to still have that favorite color. And that's kind of how, you know, I explained it to a kid. No, that's a good way of explaining know? it to him. And, and it's like, oh, well, who cares is what he said. I was like, yeah, who cares? Live your life, be you and don't judge them They're They have their own struggles, just like we have our own. And for us to be able to, it's, it's not just treat women, it's treat everyone, treat everyone yeah, with absolutely. respect. Because not only that, like, even when my son comes with me to jujitsu and I'm seeing other big, you know, tough guys, he knows because he sees what belt they are. He knows who's tough and how I treat someone who um, is, is either the same belt as me, higher belt than me, or even a brand new person. He's watching how I treat people with respect. And these are guys most of the time. Yeah. There are girls as well, but like it's guys that I would talk to and be like, here's how I want to show you. Like you're, you're capable. You're amazing. Like I would, I would pump them up. And, and then I would have my son sometimes I'll be like, Hey, I was like, you just asked this question. I was like, have my son show you real fast. Oh, and wow. he goes and teaches them and he's doing it exactly how I teach. Nice. Because he watched, he learned from watching and that's how we are. We're, we're human beings that we observe and we watch. Wow. Martha, thank you so much for coming on here, dude. That, this has been awesome. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't like, I was super skeptical at first, like, cause I'm just like, oh, this is our first uh, guest speaker. Who knows how well this is going to go, but this has been so enlightening. Just being able to take away like so much information from you. And I'm even looking back now for my own job. I'm like, man, I've, I've probably messed up a few times. <laughs> Definitely a few things I can do better, but it's one of those things of, like you said, it's either you're winning or you're learning. Yep. And I think that's something we all, we can all take into our own lives. You're supposed to mess up. That's, yep. all, that's all there's to it. If you don't mess up, you're not doing it right. You've got to mess up and, and learn what not to do. And grow together as a team. Right. I love that. Yeah. Any last words that you got for people, Arthur? No. Um, everyone should do jujitsu. And uh, <laughs> if you want to go see me in jujitsu, go to the Provo Mall at Agima. That's the best place to go. Um, and yeah, I, I think, you know, treat everyone with respect, love everyone, give hugs um, to the, oh, right, people, yep. to I the still, right people. I still struggle with hugs. Yeah, I'm still, he still, he won't give me a hug, man. I got to get him. Yeah. I, I'll, I'm working on it though. No, I'm not. I'm lying to you now. I won't lie on the podcast. All right. Eric, you got anything? No, just uh, for all you new parents out there, just do your best, you know, to be a parent. You know, like you mentioned earlier, it's uh, there's no manual for how to raise your kids, but, you know, I think, uh, you know, he gave you the correct tools for it for a start. And so just go out there and do your best. Yeah. Just remember, it's a team effort. And whatever you're doing, when, when you're raising kids, it's a team effort. Well, anyway, thanks again, Arthur. We really appreciate having you on, man, on the podcast. Thank you for coming to The Swamp. And for those who are listening, thank you so much for listening. Uh, just letting you know now, we are now available uh, to uh, for subscription on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. So if you don't want to just be watching our videos, you can go there too, download it. Just as you're out for a run, walking, whatever, if you feel like we're worth listening to, there you go. You can have us in your ear. All right. Well, thank you guys. And until next time, stay the hell out of our swamp. Thank you.